Our son Pete, a monthly Patreon-exclusive WMQ&A bonus podcast where I, Dan Grote, read through every appearance of British mutant spymaster Peter Winston Wisdom. This month we'll be covering Excalibur Volume 1, number 95, a.k.a. the one with Nate Gray, and I'm joined by yet another subject matter expert. You may know him as the co-host of Battle of the Atom or the head honcho of Comics XF, but for the purposes of this episode, he's the man who was once mailed a custom-bound omnibus of the entire X-Man series. Zach Jenkins, welcome, Zach. How are we doing tonight? You know what, Dan? I'm doing great. I'm doing. I'm doing super fly. I'm doing fabulous. I'm doing. I'm doing like I'm having a fun time. How's How's Dan doing? <laughs> uh, living Living his best life. Definitely not having any technical difficulties tonight. <laughs> it's, we've not spent a half hour while you sort this out, and I play Marvel Snap on my phone. <laughs> there is not a Pete Wisdom card in Marvel Snap yet. I'm kind of disappointed about that yet that's the important word. there's gotta they've gotta they've gotta put peter winston wisdom in that he's got those hot knives he's he's the original hot claws I'm, I'm i'm telling you but you know thank god thank god quicksilver fans are are having their day with marvel snap yeah they're having they're they're having their day everyone wants to play him because they don't know how to build decks it's so <laughs> it's so fun to see it's when I know it's like, oh, you're playing, you're playing Quicksilver and Yondu. That's fine. You haven't thought this through yet. Oh, you have a domino in here. Okay, I, I, I think I'm gonna hit that snap button right now, and I'm just gonna double my cubes, and take it from all you plebeians. This is this is a mean joke for anyone who plays Marvel Snap and has not also spent too much money on real life card games that they no longer play, and still retain so much knowledge of. <laughs> oh man uh so I'll, I'll i'll start where i start with with most of our guests what is your history with pete wisdom and this warren ellis era of excalibur in general and and part two to that how much how much wisdom stuff or i guess how much of this particular run have you covered so far on battle of the atom these are great questions so let's start from the top Here's how I first learned about Peter Winston Wisdom. I was a small child in the year 2000 reading the DK Ultimate Guide to the X-Men where they talked about all of these characters, including this guy who had the power of hot knives, which sounded dumb and cool at the same time. And I was like, I'm going to remember this person for the rest of my life. Uh, I remembered everybody for the rest of my life. I want to be clear. This was not unique to Peter Wisdom, um, but the idea of hot claws has been or not hot claws, excuse me, hot knives has been <laughs> seared into me for quite some time. Uh, and then I started reading a bunch of stuff, uh, including the Ellis Excalibur and other assorted Pete Wisdom accoutrement. Uh, it's never been my favorite stuff, but I'm also not a huge Excalibur guy in general. Uh, so, you know, I, I can appreciate the character, even though he is not at the top of my list. Uh, and speaking of lists, you brought up Battle of the Atom, which is the podcast I do with uh, our friend Adam Reck, where me and Adam rank over 700 X-Men stories from best to worst. We have covered a good chunk of the Ellis run of Excalibur, though not as much as you might think. I think partly because half of the arc is stuff about black air and i just the, the, listen i'm not gonna I, I know black air is a thing i know there's like three or four distinct stories about that i'm not differentiating any of them in my head <laughs> fair enough now uh i i brought you onto this episode because you were you were cursed with with becoming a neat gray uh expert is he is he your own personal mutant Jesus? <laughs> you know, maybe. And I apologize. I was pausing because I was trying to remember all of the lyrics to your own personal Jesus and do a bit about that, and I completely forgot. It's okay. He's someone to hear your prayers. Someone who's there. There. Yep. There yeah. we go. There we go. There we go. Here's the thing about Depeche Mode. I don't actually care about Depeche Mode, but I do have the Johnny Cash cover of your own personal Jesus permanently seared into my brain as well. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Listen, I don't know. 
I don't know what he was on at the end of his life. I think he was on making a lot of money with Rick Rubin. Uh, but Johnny Cash put out some killer, killer covers with the American series. Uh, underrated, uh, Rusty Chain, his cover of the uh, Soundgarden song. Um, surprisingly killer. That's a banger. Yeah, it is. Is a banger. Uh, no, but I don't particularly like nate gray in so much as i have been forced to become a nate gray person uh it became part of my persona online for a little bit when i had a persona online that i wanted to uh groom i guess is the right word uh but you know i have i still have a affection for him he represents the same level of dumb x-men that I think draws a lot of people to the franchise after they've been around for a bit. Like you can get really into, Oh, I feel seen and represented in the X-Men and that's incredibly valid. Um, but there's also an equally valid take on the X-Men. It was like, this is kind of dumb and I kind of love it. <laughs> there's, there's a part where, and I know you feel this way because you're reading a bunch of Peter wisdom comics. Um, but sometimes a bad comic can make you feel some sort of way that's good. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's hard to explain to people who don't already get it, but there is an appeal to bad comics. And Nate Gray truly is uh right at the epicenter of that appeal to bad comics. I now do have a framed uh piece of art of Nate Gray on my wall uh from uh from Marvelous X-Men artist. Oh, I'm Ramon Rosanis? No, it's not Ramon Rosanis. Ramon Rosanis Ramon no. Rosanis did the uh did something around there. No, it's it's Milla, and I'm blanking on his first name. Wait, uh is it wait, was it Marco Fila? Uh, it might be Fila. Hold on, crap. This is incredibly embarrassing. What? Who did yeah, it's Falia. Marco Falia. Okay. Uh because he did Spider-Man and the X-Men. He did he did the panel he did the panel where Spider-Man sees Sauron and he's like, Sauron, with all this technology, you could cure cancer. And he says, I don't want to cure cancer. I want to turn people into dinosaurs. And he was like, I was talking to him about that at the show when I got the commission. And he was like, Yeah, a lot of people seem to like that. I don't understand. I was like, Marco, you should probably make that your banner. I don't know how to I don't know how to explain <laughs> it to you. But you need to promote that you're the guy from that meme everyone has seen. No, what did Rosanis do? Uh, he did something around Age of X, man. I know that. Yeah. It's not important. Long story short, I got a I got a mixed up feeling about Nate Gray. Now, this issue is actually the second part of a two-part crossover with X-Man, but Pete doesn't appear in the X-Man part, so I genuinely do not care about it. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. I was going to say, unless you could think of a reason I should. You really shouldn't. It's got Steve Skrokey art, uh, or Skros art, and if you like that, more power to you. Um, it's not my personal favorite. Uh, anime eyes. It's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. Threnody's in it. That that part's great. Um, everything else, eh, not not so much. But but you know, I say all that to say, yeah, the rest of this is now Pete Wisdom does show up in the second part of this. Here's what you need to know. Nate Gray has gone to Muir Island for reasons. Um, this is in the time of Nate Gray's publishing history that I call Nate Gray Meets the Marvel Universe, where he's been in the Marvel Universe for four months and is now going to cross over with no less than three books in a very short span. He's going to mm -hmm. cross over with Excalibur. He's going to go right into an arc with Cable. And then he's going to go smack dab in the middle of Onslaught. And then after he, that, doesn't he become friends with Spider-Man? He becomes friends with Spider-Man right after that, yes. Uh, in Amazing Spider-Man 420, hashtag blaze it, he <laughs> does go uh, and celebrate Christmas with Aunt May. And not... Mary Jane's aunt, but someone else. Hmm. Okay. It, it's another one of Aunt May's old lady friends. I cannot. I. <laughs> she has her own life. I can't. It's I true. can't pretend to know all of it. But no, he becomes best friends with Spider Man. They were really trying to make Nate Gray happen, which is wild because 
he shouldn't have, and yet he got 75 issues. So, yeah, <laughs> you could do that back then. Should you have? Well, that's that's a different question, but uh, you know, to to uh, catch catch listeners up. Uh, who may be catching up uh, previously in Excalibur number 94. We find out what the team gets up to in the days of future past uh, or or a adjacent alternate future, which foreshadows the next big story arc. But that won't start till next. That arc will not start until next issue. So uh, let's dig into Excalibur 95, Amplified Heart, written by Warren Ellis, drawn by Carlos Pacheco, inked by Bob Vicek. Colored by Joe Roses with Malibu's Hughes, lettered by Richard Starkings and Comicraft, and edited by Suzanne Gaffney with a cover by Pacheco and Vyacek. Uh, so this is our first issue with Carlos Pacheco as the regular penciler of Excalibur. Uh, Pacheco drew a bit of issue 90 as well as some covers prior to this. But, uh, you know, here he's announced as the official penciler taking over after a three-issue stint by Casey Jones. Um I happen to like Pacheco. I think I feel like he is a happy medium in this period between the the more sort of manga stuff that Matarera and Jeff Matsuda were doing and the more traditional 90s stuff that the Kubert brothers were doing at the time. Zach, where does Pacheco fall on the uh, on the spectrum for you there? You know, I'm not as hot on 90s Pacheco, but I really like some of his more refined stuff later in his career. I think in this particular issue, He's held back a bit by what was holding everyone back in 1996, which was the fact that they realized that they could use computers for coloring and they mm -hmm. didn't know what they were doing yet. So Joe Rosas and you know Malibu, Malibu Hughes, um, they are they are using all of the tools that are built into their paint program. And I think that is to the detriment of what, uh, Pacheco is doing here it really becomes distracting from a lot of his stuff I think he it's still you know very 90s influenced uh, I would agree with you that it's you know it's not as far to uh to the manga inspired stuff like uh, Jeff Matsuda Joe Madureira it's still I I think it's still closer to that side of it than uh than the Kubert brothers which is Interesting because Pacheco will definitely across his career move away from that and get to a cleaner style that I associate more with like an Ed McGinnis or Stuart Eminem or someone like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it for me, it's interesting to see how he evolves over time. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and and this is this is right when he's sort of on the cusp of blowing up because after mm -hmm. he leaves Excalibur, he goes to adjectiveless X-Men. So right, right. And I, I tend to like his stuff a lot better there. I mean, he's he's trying to he's trying to do what the style is. And if we blamed anyone in the 90s for trying to do whatever the hot style at the time was, we would be blaming every single artist that's ever lived. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Uh, it, it is worth mentioning that uh, Pacheco was re recently diagnosed with uh, ALS mm -hmm. uh, and unfortunately, uh, as such, has been forced to retire from comics. So this is another good reminder, uh, you know, be good to your creators, support the Hero Initiative. And remember, these folks don't get health care through publishers. So, you know, when they go through it, they go through it. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's. It is a upsetting and all too frequent thing that happens in this industry. Um, and, you know, all the best of Pacheco and family. Absolutely. Uh, so meanwhile, quick summary for the purposes of this issue. Uh, Nate Gray has a superhero misunderstanding fight with Excalibur after he reads an out-of-context portion of Moira's mind and finds out he's going to die by the age of 21. The team tries to positive feelings Nate back to his senses by inviting him to read all their minds, uh, but it is too much reasonableness and and good vibes so he flees back to his own book bye nate this is what nate does anytime he's confronted with anyone you know healthily processing their emotions he does run away and yell very very much uh you know you would you would think by this point let's say he so he's supposed to be 20 years old you know that sort of rougher part of puberty the emotional roller coaster part would have passed but he's uh, 17 no, our guys <laughs> he's 17 years old 
it's weird. It's a weird thing. Uh, you would still think that he would act better than my five-year-old, six-year-old, excuse me. But <sighs> Nate Gray was not a well-thought-out or good character. You know how, and there's a there's a great piece uh, up on Polygon right now about reign of, uh, the reign of the Superman. Yeah. And part of that goes into Superboy. I'm sorry, don't call him the Metropolis kid. He's the Metropolis kid. We don't call him Superboy. Uh, part of it, part of it goes into them kind of knowing what they were doing with Superboy at the time. Like they knew that he was super cool and hip in very nineties. Nate Gray's that without the ironic, dist- like th- Nate Gray's that without knowing. He's the played straight version of that. He's the Jeff Loeb uh, is not the most aware man in the world version yeah that's 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 pretty accurate yeah mm. you ever think about that time that jeff Loeb went out on stage as uh one of the presidents of marvel studios and was wearing a uh karate gi to talk about iron fist i try very hard not to <laughs> man <laughs> jeff Loeb's a wild one Oh, man. you know, you know, all right, this is this is a complete tangent, but I've been thinking about it a lot lately because I just read it and Jay and Miles just talked about it. But reading the road trip era of X-Force, mm-hmm. I realized the book is better because Jeff Loeb was based was not talking to Adam Polina about what he wanted to draw. Yeah. Like like reading the more run. You understand, oh, they actually talked to each other and liked working with each other. And and you get that, you get that in that run even after Polina leaves and uh Jim Chung jumps on it for mm-hmm. a good like 20-issue stint or something. They're having fun on that entire run where the Jeff Loeb Adam Polina run of X-Force has some moments that are worthwhile and other moments that I'm very confused and hey you know what not shocked that this guy got a reputation of being a company man because boy howdy is a lot of this doing a company man items a lot of it a lot of it's like hey bob harris is this how you want things done fine (laughs) is this how you is this how you tease an onslaught sure Oh, Bob, Bob Harris has a lot of demands for everybody. Uh, and you, you had pointed out one right at the start of this, uh, start of this comic that I thought was very interesting. Yes, yes, yes. Because every comic is someone's first. Uh, this is the second issue in a row that gives us a thorough rundown of the cast, but it's, it's the first, it's actually the first one since the pub issue four issues prior that actually bothers to make use of of the entire team, which was kind of my criticism of those early Ellis issues. You know, he's seen largely fit to focus on a couple or a handful of characters at a time. You know, Pete and Kitty got their three-issue Black Air arc, Colossus, Wolfsbane. Here we see them actually all working together against a threat. But here we also get three, literally three pages of recap of opening pages, one that is the history of the X-Men, one that is the history of Excalibur, and one that is the history of, of, of Nate Gray. And then four later, if you count the page where Nate reads Moira's mind and you kind of get her history up to that point. Um, did, did anyone in 1996 need like the high concept of X-Men explained to them if they were already buying Excalibur? No. You okay, might, that's you might that's need what Excalibur explained, depending on yes. if you're jumping in during the Ellis run. Well, uh, and that's 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 page two of the recap, three recap pages. <laughs> page one, page one is wild, uh, because they're just like, We are going to explain the general concept of X-Men to you, a thing that Stan Lee was able to do in two lines at the start of every one of his issues. Like he pitched it really quickly. We didn't have to spend this time on it. It also has some weird, like, moons or planetoids or something all over there with terrible rendering. This Ooh, this is an rough. uncanny... You know what it is? It's an uncanny valley version of Mr. DNA from Jurassic Park. It like, really is. It's just peptides and, and... That's what that is, isn't it? Amino acid chains just without the, the friendly face. Because, like... 
Warren's uh, Ellis's whole thing is like about like genes and science. And you know, he's playing with his like fun little like, oh, well, I just discovered a thing about, you know, this science thing and I'm going to use it uh, sort of stuff. And also the X-Men are also there with that girl with the bug eyes from Marvel's. Yeah, I don't know what she's doing there, but I'm happy to see her. Does she have, does she have a name? She never got named, right? I don't think so. <laughs> Listen, I've read Marvels, but you don't read Marvels for uh you don't read Marvels for the superheroes. You read no. it, you read it for uh for the Adam Ross art or Alex Ross art and the Down on His Luck reporter. Yes, absolutely. Not to not to watch Kurt Music hump the Silver Age again. <laughs> listen, listen. I'll say this for Kurt Music. Of all the guys that like to hump the Silver Age, he's probably the best at it. He's, he's... the best lay when it comes to that. <laughs> he's 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 top five Silver we've Age. All, we've all read Astro City. We know it's a circle jerk, but we like it. <laughs> We understand it. It's we're the ones getting jerked off, so we enjoy it. I understand the appeal of Kurt Music. At least he does it well. There's so many guys who do it badly. Uh, yes, yes. This, this, this. Is Kurt Music still on Twitter? I've stayed. I I just had him muted for a while and just unfollowed because guy seems very nice, very bad at using Twitter in an appropriate, healthy manner. Is he still doing that? I, you know, I don't think I've seen tweets from him. I don't know if he was one of those people who thought it would be a statement to go underground once Elon uh, took over or what. Well, I know he stopped resisting a while ago. So I, I want to know what's going on with Kurt Busiek these days. I'll have to figure that out later. He's not yeah. really involved in this comic here. No, no. We're where he can't uh, hurt us. But uh, yeah, so uh, three pages of recap. Uh, you know. It, it basically it feels like an excuse for Ellis to avoid telling telling the story that was Bob Harris onto him uh, and for Pacheco to draw some pinups uh, as this is his first issue. So Listen, get those get those sales of those pinups. I tell you what, I get it. There's some good ones. There's some expl- really if you look at like the first one, two, three, four, five, six pages of this book. The average panel density on those six pages is shockingly low. There's like three real pages after mm-hmm. those three pages, and then splash page, three quarter splash page. Then it gets back into a real comic. He's just that, that's going nice to though. Town. He's not he's not going for formalism. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm trying to think. Ellis Ellis isn't that much of a formalist guy. No, no, I, I don't think he is. I he also worked with so many different artists in the you know early issues of this run that I don't think you could establish that kind of let's call it a King Garrett's relationship if sure. you wanted to. <laughs> sure, no, uh, he has to he has to rely on his guys to tell this story that is absolutely just a. Weird little story that they're telling about Nate Gray to try and sell his book or to sell Excalibur. Was this to prop up Excalibur or Nate Gray at the time? I had, you know what, honestly, it was to prop up Nate Gray. Excalibur okay. was okay. Maybe I'm speaking from my own bias as a 15 year old at the time these books were coming out. Excalibur was the hot book, at least as far as I was reading it. Sure. Nate Gray was also there. And that's that's understandable. I am curious how retailers felt about it. That's an excellent question. We should find some old retailers and ask them, hey, what did you think about this two part crossover with Excalibur and X-Band? Which one <laughs> which one was the real draw here, folks? The answer begins with a deep sigh and the lighting of a cigarette. Jeez, jeez, <laughs> I love comics. What a good medium. What a good, healthy medium that doesn't you know, produce some really, really terrible habits. (laughs) So at this point in continuity, it was discovered that Nate's powers were going to burn out and kill him by the time he turned 21. Yes. Because I'm old 
it reminded me there was a there was an there was a scripted drama on on mtv in 1994 it was called dead at 21 it did not star anyone famous uh but here's the the rough summary from from wikipedia uh on his 20th birthday ed bellamy makes a startling discovery as part of a secret government project scientists implanted microchips in his brain when he was a baby boosting his intelligence level unfortunately those microchips trigger intense madness-inducing dreams as they break down, and none of the microchip recipients survives past the age of 21. Compounding his problems, Ed has been framed for murder by a corrupt agent, forcing him to flee with his friend Maria in a desperate bid to clear his name and find a cure for his condition. So they basically turned Nate Gray into this obscure MTV show that, you know, is lost to time and memory alongside the head and the brother's grunt. Curious if Kieran Gillen also watched Dead at 21. It was like, oh, yeah, Mike, that'd be a good uh, idea for Wicked, yeah? We'll do that, but with gods. What What if What if also they really, really liked Britpop? <laughs> I love Kieran. I mean, no, he's we're, great. We're making fun of a lot of creators here. Kieran's what I legitimately adore. I think he's fantastic. Yes. I don't like Wickdiv. It's just not my flavor. Uh, but Kieran, yeah. A plus. We all love Judgment Day. Uh so uh so. anyway, kind of going through the cast of this comic. So this is the first time since he lost uh I think at least his leg that Rory Campbell has been seen uh or or heard from the future Ahab. So we find out this issue that he's been uh, administering therapy to Colossus uh, after, you know, doing such a bang up job with Spore. Uh, you know, so this is a bad idea for a lot of reasons, you know, especially when you consider that when Nate attacks, there's specifically a panel of Rory doubled over muttering. <laughs> uh, and I, yeah, the mutants gone bad uh, over and over to himself. So this is this is not a man who's fit for any sort of duty, let alone, you know, returning to uh, work as a psychiatrist, if that is, in fact, what his Ph.D. is in. I don't know what Rory Campbell's deal is in terms of his doctorate. I do think it's I think it's just so weird that he's in this. Were people clamoring for more Ahab like. Did we care? Days of Future Present was like fine at best. Here's here's the thing about that. And I mentioned this uh, last time when they did the Days of Future Past story uh, and we had Connor Goldsmith on. It, Rory is foreshadowed to be a villain from the Days of Future Past Future. And yet that does not at all figure into Warren's vision of days of future past from the England side with black air and everything. So that does beg the question, what are we doing with this character? You know, he's got to juggle a lot of characters. Some a of them lot. are foisted upon him. He's got to find things to do with them. What does he need with this non Moira human on the Island? Who's... You already have Moira. That's the thing. If you want a human viewpoint character, she's there. I don't get I don't get so many of the choices that have gone on in the X-Men office in the year of 1996. Uh, a lot of choices were made. Uh, many of them led to onslaught. Uh, not all of them were in conversation with each other. Very few were in conversation, if I do say so myself. <laughs> Almost none of them. Uh, now we have a shot of Spore, just one shot of Spore in his cell. And he has a sign behind him, and it says Firenze. I looked that up. That's the Italian word for the Italian city of Florence. Spore is Scottish. Yeah. I don't know why that's there, unless it's a football thing. I guess maybe, but I don't know. Spore's... Why is Spore even here? Like, of all of the acolytes... And the thing is, they're doing with Spore exactly what the X-Men are doing with Sabretooth. At the same time! And it's not even like a parallelism thing. It's just, we also captured this guy and we're trying to make him better. The X-Men, we love taking bestial prisoners. Okay, to be fair, 
we did make that a thing in Hawkspox. Like that is just now a th- we have now <laughs> the X Men have now codified that as this is one of the things we do. That yes, that's why Hawkspox works because it's saying X Men's mostly bad. We're gonna make all that a feature now. <laughs> but nobody would care. No, oh, man. Well, no, I guess in this current age, you'd find a way to... Victor Laval would make you care if Spore got thrown in the pit. Victor Laval... You cannot... That's being like, yeah, well, I really think that Michael Jordan could dunk on a 12-foot rim <laughs> if it was that high. I think Jordan would find a way. You're you're, you're going with the top level here. I, I just... Of all the characters... There are characters that like people have imprinted on and applied things to them that never actually textually exist, and they've just become fanon. And then there's Spore that nobody is writing slash fic about. I don't. I mean, uh, who, whomst from among the acolytes act? Well, besides Frenzy, Frenzy, Unision, Amelia, vote, vote. Okay, that answers that question. That's, that's... I like to. I think I think there could be some really good Kleinstock brother slash fic out there. You'd probably have to dig, but I bet it's out. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ask Connor. Uh, I know he was he was he was in the fanfic community at a time. I'm gonna figure that one out. Okay, stop when you get the Seamus Mellon camp. <laughs> Remember when Jamie Madrox blew him up from the inside? Good times. Good times. <laughs> Uh, okay, so yeah, by this point, Nate's throwing his tantrum on the island, and he's, he's you know, making psychic explosions everywhere. Uh, Pete gets his tie singed and his rib injuries from when Colossus beat him up re-aggravated uh, in a psychic attack. Uh, it does make me wonder, like, artists seem to exclusively draw him in, you know, off-the-rack suits just once. Le- you know, Larry Stroman drew him as boxers. But, like, you're you don't you're not working. You don't have a job right now. You're not really on a payroll. Like, put on like a madness T-shirt and just like walk around. Okay. Well, you have to appreciate what what is happening with Pete Wisdom because I think some of the costuming choices are very telling. In that he unbuttons the top button of his suit. That's what he does when he's off work. Mm-hmm. That's what he does when he's chilling. He doesn't know what to wear otherwise. He he's Pete Wisdom. His entire deal is I'm James Bond, but with with hot knives. So he has to do the James Bond part, but he he's off work, so he's not fully committing. That's the thing. Those are the, that's the detail that Carlos Pacheco is bringing to this comic. That's fair. I think about these things, Dan. <laughs> uh, that's why you're here. I'm so, not. I'm not just flipping through this comic and riffing on pages that I see. That's not <laughs> what's happening at all. This is actually, I'll tell you, one of the first times in years of podcasting about X-Men comics that I I have been doing it with a physical comic open to the page in front of me. Normally, I'm just off the dome. For you and for your listeners, I wanted to make sure that I had all my material in front of me ready so that I could provide detailed analysis of Excalibur. That is beautiful, and I do appreciate that. And ev- and eventually, I am going to have to get <laughs> get on uh, breakdown and finally get on Marvel Unlimited when I get into the Ben Rab stuff. Because I you're do gonna not be, have those books. You're going to be deeply unhappy with Marvel's collection of Ben Rob's Excalibur comics, or deeply happy, depending on if you've read them. I'm upset by the fact that there is an epic an epic collection of Ben Rab's Excalibur comics. Okay, but he did not get the Excalibur Visionaries collection. That's the thing. You got Claremont, visionary for Excalibur. You got Alan Davis, visionary. Warren Ellis, visionary for Excalibur. You don't get Ben Rob's Visionaries, and you don't get Scotty Lobb's Visionaries. No, you Those are just also Excalibur collections that we are putting out so it's all in print. So Nate reads Moira's mind. And yes, it was 1996 at the time. Hoxpox hadn't Hoxpox number two or House of X number two had not happened, nor was it, you know, near anyone's mind. But 
I can't help but wonder because, you know, obviously the past is constantly recontextualized by the present. Yeah. You know, had she developed psychic defensive enough over 10 lives to be able to hide the fact that she had lived 10 lives. Here's the beauty of Nate Gray. He's super dumb. There he's the is. dumbest guy. And he's not even from around here. So she could have been like, man, I just fine. He'll be very confused when he sees a lot of different lives going on, but in none of them have I tried to kill him personally or make sure he's dead by 21. And he's a selfish little teenage boy. He's going to be like, Oh, I didn't, I'm not in any of these. Huh? I wonder what's up. Okay. You seem cool. Have fun turning into a robot. Yeah, I mean, considering this all started because he only read like read like a sentence fragment in her head and, you know, it didn't bother most, to check the rest of it. That's the most Nate Gray thing to do, though. He would very much jump to conclusions on this. I like to imagine here, Dan, and I was thinking about this while I was reading it. Mm -hmm. uh, what led into Hawks Fox? Well, as we all know, it was the age of X-Men. So yes. I like to think that this is Moira helping Nate understand where his potential is going to have to be in the role he's going to have to play so that the mutants can be ready for Krakoa. By showing them a world where they're not allowed to fuck. Yes. Yes. It, it was so important to Krakoa. So they so can appreciate important. an island where they can do all the fucking. <laughs> yes. Now you are understanding what everyone was trying to do at that time. They were like, we have to do opposite Krakoa before we do real Krakoa. And opposite Krakoa has a sex police. <laughs> what are we talking about anymore? I don't, I don't know, but now I want to go back and reread. And of course, I can't even remember the goddamn name of the fucking book. The Leah Williams book with the sex police. Read that. Oh. Yeah. Extremists. Extremists. There we go. I kept wanting to call it exterminators. That's Me the too. Book. Me too. Exterminators is the one. Where no one is having sex, but it's the sexiest book that's out there. Correct. There are a lot of wrestling moves. Carlos Gomez doing a really good job drawing wrestling moves. Like Daniel Warren Johnson, watch out. Other people can draw wrestling moves too now. I too can do a powerbomb. <laughs> hey, folks, do a powerbomb rules. Go read that also. That's a book I need to catch up on. Um, um, Dan, you know I'm not a wrestling guy. Do a power bomb good. Do a power bombs real good. There are in fact power bombs in it. <laughs> At one point, I know in the climactic fight, somebody is going to scream out to our main character, "Do a power bomb!" and everyone's going to pop for it. Everyone's going to be like, Son "Come on!" and it's still going to be good. <laughs> I want that very much for all of us. Oh, man. So Moira having neat reader mind triggers this sort of I am Spartacus uh, effect wherein everyone on the team one by one uh, goes, read my mind and see what I'm about now, dickhead. Uh, the big flaw in this plan is that Nate should have theoretically, again, if this were a good comic and not just Warren doing the bare minimum so we can get back to his thing, uh, uncovered some major secrets among these characters you can obviously you can write off the reincarnating moira thing because that ha story hadn't been written yet right, right rory is while hiding becoming a a known x-men supervillain uh brian's adventures in the time stream should have been enough to just fry nate's brain uh i don't even know if it's possible to read Douglock's mind because the team hasn't had a psychic since uh rachel left which was before Douglock showed up right and Pete's done enough bad shit to canonically give someone, uh, give a psychic an aneurysm within the past year. Yeah. But here's the thing. And mm -hmm. you, you very astutely pointed this out, much like you and I, Warren Ellis also wants to be done with this comic. Yes. Finding a way to like, how do I, okay, I gotta, I gotta show that this is a team. I gotta show that they're all together. Uh, and that the power of fucking team works better than whatever. Uh, they they can all mind read, and Nate he has to go fly away. Story immediately ends. 
immediately ends right afterwards. He flies into literally a different crossover. Story ends. I think I think the X-Man book does have one issue between the crossovers. He, I think he's yeah, he's got like some more Threnody shit to do or something. Yes, like he has to meet Threnody. He has not done that yet. Oh, okay. He meet, oh, or has he? No, because he's at the beach with Madeline. Or is he with Threnody? It doesn't matter. This is not an X-Man podcast. <laughs> and thank God for all of that. Uh, but yeah, so this, this scene also gives Colossus the chance to sort of, or I guess gives Warren the chance to hand wave away Colossus, the Colossus problem, because now he can prove his hypocrisy slash show he's come down from his tantrum by telling Nate that it's easy to lash out, but harder to accept responsibility for one's actions, which is not a thing that we've actually seen Colossus do. Uh, since issue 92 when he beat up Pete. And it's also not a thing we've seen Warren Ellis do when it comes to uh, all those uh, people that he uh, was a sex creep to. So it it sure is a weird thing. The Colossus of it all, I'm not, I'm not hot on Pete Wisdom like some people. Colossus really shouldn't have put him in the hospital for three weeks over his teenage ex-girlfriend. That's a weird thing to do, Peter. Don't do that. Please. Yeah. I like you. You're big, made of metal. You're fun. Don't do that. And you haven't made a good decision since 1980 something. I'm going to, I'm going to let, this is a controversial statement. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let the Kitty Pride stuff in the 80s slide. Not saying that it was a different time, but I think it was that people not, thinking through everything that was going on with it and then realizing, Hey, this doesn't vibe. Right. And now we got to We got to get rid of that. Every other decision he's made probably since when was fatal attractions? 93. Yes. Yeah. It was when all of his family died in a like one year span. He's not, he's not really made a good decision since then. I guess the best decision he made since then was literally to kill himself. And I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying in this very specific weirdly contrived instance where killing himself would stop mutant aids. That was the right choice. Even though that choice made no sense from a, uh, yeah. Oh, don't um, no, The science doesn't work. That's yeah. Not, that's not, that's not pathology how, standpoint. That's, that's not how vaccines work or else we would have already done a COVID sacrifice. <laughs> I, I mean, there there was a COVID sacrifice. It just wasn't that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, so this is all enough to get Nate to leave because sure, the issue's over. Um, you know what's weird? Nate and Rory Campbell have similar haircuts. And again, that's another thing that nobody bothered to think about having them bond over. Why are there so many comics characters with chestnut hair and skunk stripes? There's a lot. And all of them have that. They all have that same kind of weird front do on their hair. Like it's a, I always think of it as the ultimate Peter Parker hair, you know, where it's got like his bangs are like kind of fluffy up front. Mm-hmm. In my mind, it's safe by the bell hair, but that's not how that hair looked like. I think that's how that hair feels, but definitely not how that looked like. Uh, that's that's not what Zach Morris had. It's just like the vibe. Yeah. Um, the stripe, I can't tell you. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they liked Rogue. Maybe they were like, this is a way to show that this is a powerful person. They're so powerful. They're going gray. I don't know. In one specific section of their hair. It happens. It happens to some of us. Okay. I don't some of us some of us still have hair to go gray, Dan. I don't know what to tell you. That's that's fair. But like <laughs> sorry, buddy. No, no. That's again, that's fair and accurate. The only real person I can think of though with that exact combination of hair colors is John Henson from Talk Soup on the E! Channel in the 1990s, and he just had that one patch on the side of his head. Oh, yeah, no was... one has it No one has it uh, at that level. Yeah. But everyone has it in comics. 
normally it's for the olds or the rogues. Um, I don't know. You saw you saw that they redesigned. Do you see that they redesigned uh, Agatha Harkness to be hot and young now? And also she has that hair. Yeah, they Catherine Honda. Yeah. Yeah, but like yeah, they Catherine Honda, but then they gave her the white streak hair. And I don't I don't get it. It's it's shorthand for showing you that a character in a comic is older without actually drawing them physically aged because any gross yeah no one no one is allowed to be over the age of 25 in comics at least visually they're Mm -hmm. either 25 or they're dead it's why we all it's why when you read the jack kirby stanley x-men you're like oh yeah charles xavier this guy's in his 70s and he's talking about how like oh yeah last week when i was in korea and you realize oh he's supposed to be maybe in his 30s he's just dressed like an ancient person yeah which still doesn't make that one panel. Uh, it doesn't make it good. Not saying yeah. it makes it good. Again, here's a speaking about guys jerking off to the Silver Age. <laughs> oh, Mark Wade now? We all collectively chose to be like, yeah, that was a weird one panel thing that was never relevant and never brought up ever again. And we don't have to think about it. Because listen, there's a lot of stuff in the Silver Age that we do that. Magneto had like, Astral projection powers. It was fine. We can ignore it. Mark Wade couldn't though. Mark Wade was like, "We gotta, we gotta use this. We gotta show that Xavier's a weird creep. We gotta be like, oh, Doom Patrol's really hot right now, and they had the Chief be a weird creep. So now we've got to make Xavier be a weird creep. And also, he has Tower of Babel plans to kill all the X Men." People used to think that the old name of the website that is now Comics XF mm-hmm. was a reference to that and not just me putting some words together. And they were like, oh, are you going to write about how to kill all the experts? Like, no, that sounds dumb and bad. That's when I knew I was different. If anyone wants to know when I realized that I was better than other people, Dan, it's when I was like, no, I don't want to write. That's that would suck to write about. Who would do that? Oh, I'm sure there's a subreddit somewhere. Um, There was. It was called Our Comic Books, and I tried my hardest to fix it. <laughs> Thank you for your service. It's how I met Michelle. It's how the website got started. There's there's a whole internet trail there. Um, still do not understand how I spent so much time there. Um, lucky that I am not as broken and terrible of a person as I could have been. There is a darkest timeline there. Jeez. Nan, most of my life is darkest timelines. It's very, it's very weird to look back and be like, oh, that could have broken the wrong way. That could have gone unpleasant for a lot of folks. Any more, any more thoughts before we move on to the uh, superlatives here? I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I've got nothing except for just, wow. Bad showing for Pete Wisdom. Bad showing for Warren Ellis. Bad showing for Nate Gray. Does not make anybody enjoy themselves. And yet I've read this comic probably 10 times. So what does that say about me? Probably the same thing it says about me. Yeah. <laughs> Look, there's a reason. There's a reason. We're buds. There's a reason we have gotten to know each other over the years, Daniel. Word them up. <laughs> uh, all right. So how many pages does Wisdom appear in in this issue? Nine. Uh, a lot of little peats and ensemble shots. Just enough to remind you whose book it is. Uh, best words of wisdom. Normally, this is a peat category, but my favorite line in this comic, the one that has actually stuck with me over the years, is from Kurt. Uh, Nightcrawler tries to get the jump on Nate. Nate side blasts him into some rubble, and when Kitty goes to check on him, Kurt says, It only hurts when I breathe. It's a very Looney Tunes sort of seeing stars delivery, and I quite like it. Uh, best insult, Pete calls Nate a horrible little MTV clone, which, based on everything that I had to look up to remember Dead at 21, he literally is. So it It's just Warren Ellis making fun of that. Warren Ellis aggressively online and whatever the equivalent of that was in 1996 i think meant knew about mtv shows 
Yeah. Okay. He was on Usenet. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent sure Warren Ellis was on Usenet. Like I don't. I don't even have to look that up. You think Warren Ellis wasn't on Usenet? I, I'm not. Ar- I'm not arguing that. <laughs> Warren Ellis. I'm trying to I'm Usenet. trying to think of an internet thing from 1996. I didn't have AOL yet, so um very first very first thing is a oral history of the Warren Ellis forums. Mm. Uh that is it's a recap of, recap of it that was originally published on Image Comics. Imagecomics.com no longer hosts the article called an oral history of the Warren Ellis forum for um, reasons. Reasons. Um, yeah. Oh, there's a lot of, it's very weird looking back at articles and a lot of people like, man, Warren Ellis was a perfect visionary and that, that forum had nothing wrong with it. It was what the internet should be. Yeah. Um, there is. Okay. Very funny. The first comment about Usenet which is this guy talking about how Warren Ellis forums were like the next step after used that, which makes sense in how that all worked is Warren Ellis blocked me on Twitter. And ever since I've never liked the prick, this guy was pressing Mr. Martin Weiss on metafilter.com. You knew what was up. Okay. Uh, does Pete use his hot knives in this issue? No. Pete spends more time getting his ass beat than beating any asses. Does he smoke in this issue? No, but give the man some credit. He is recovering from some serious injuries. Uh, fashion watch. Pete is in his traditional off-the-rack black and white suit, and it gets blown apart by Nate, but that's okay. He's got 30 more just like it. Uh, letters about wisdom. Uh, oh, in addition to three recap pages, this the, the physical version of this comic had three letters pages. So again, we're just we're just eaten at the actual story from both sides, but that's Three okay. Three letters pages is a lot. It is, absolutely is. I want to be clear: they do not include the letters pages in the Warren Ellis Visionary trade. So, no. unfortunately, I'm going to have to let you take this one, Daniel. That is fine. I got this. Uh, okay, so uh, here's three highlights. Doug Tennant writes, literally tch tch. This Kitty Pete Wisdom thing ain't going to happen. They are fundamentally so different that while initially opposites may attract and tantalize and tease, they won't be able to endure the clashes and conflicts for long. Contemplating Wisdom's age, the extent of their kissing was really inappropriate. Kitty's still a minor, and this is one aspect of the X-Team's responsibility for the younger charges that has never been explored. Nothing much was said when it was Cannibal and Lila Cheney. This, this discourse never changes, folks. Now that the shoe's on the, on the other gender, consider my interest peaked. Uh, Sword Strokes' reply is just to say, oh, and about all that mushy stuff, don't worry, Kitty's come back down to earth. Heroes don't get much downtime after all. Let her enjoy it, Doug. Completely sidestepping the age conversation. Just Kitty can have a little older man as a treat. Look, I'm guessing they were like, oh, wait, yeah, she is supposed to be 15, isn't she? Oh, no. (laughs) I think everyone is pretty much on record of the situation being like, yeah, you know, we did forget. We forgot she was a teenager, okay? We haven't been writing her like a teenager since 1989. Cut us some slack on that one. And also that we we literally just introduced a whole nother batch of new teenagers. So can, can she just be an adult and it's fine? <laughs> uh, Emily Hugh writes, well, I don't know what to say. Kitty and Peter Wisdom. The thought is more surprising than delighting. Still, I think this could be a big break for Kitty. Could she finally be over Colossus? Do you really plan on making Kitty and Peter a couple? If you do, I think it's great. And Tom Johnson of Butleo, Massachusetts writes, that's B-U-T-L-A-Y-O. I like this new Pete. Don't change him. Not even the smoking. I smoke myself and I'm really getting annoyed at all this PC stuff. Ah, yes, that was PC back then, smoking. You know, this woke culture that's telling us not to smoke, it's really... I think it's cancel culture gone too far, Dan, and I'm I'm not afraid to admit it. I think I think that's too much. I, I, I there's something there about woke, woke and smoke and man. Okay, yeah, no, we got we got to workshop this. This is a good bit. We got to figure <laughs> that out. We'll come back. 
It's going to be a recurring feature. It's it's sure. cancer culture, not cancel culture. So I... These are good. We need to be writing these down, man. we got to be recording this. This is for posterity. TM, TM, do not steal. <laughs> uh, workshop and bits on the day. Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay. Meanwhile, in a couple, in a few of the other X-Books that were out that month, uh, Uncanny X-Men 330, Wolverine, Archangel, and Doctor Strange seek some of that sweet, sweet Crimson Dawn. That's a bad comic. Don't read it. Yep. Agreed. Uh, in X-Men number 13, Nate fights a bunch of Marauder clones to rescue Threnody. Threnody's great. She's great. Yeah. Uh, in X-Men number 50, Wolverine, Cyclops, Storm, and Iceman are teleported away to fight Post, the Herald of Onslaught. Another bad comic. Don't read that one. <laughs> in Cable number 49, Nathan calls a bunch of big brains together to ponder how you solve a problem like Nate Gray. Not a good comic. But one that you might want to read. It does lead into them getting into a Goku fight. <laughs> uh, well, as long as Nate goes Super Saiyan. Um, um, kind of kind of Super does, actually. Have you read those comics in a hot minute, dude? I have not. Um, I'm not kidding. It is a Dragon Ball Z-ass X-Men comic. <laughs> Uh, complete with anger and speed lines. Um, yes, it really is. Those aren't jokes. I'm just telling you what happens. Uh, and in Wolverine 99, Logan tracks the missing cyber down to Tyler Dayspring's base just in time for an attempted adamantium glow up. Jesus bad Christ. comic, but yeah. a good bad comic. That's Larry Hama. So that's Larry. You know what you're getting into with Larry Hama. It's a flip of a coin. What's going to happen, but you're going to love the entire ride. I, I could get, I give zero fucks about the second generation dark riders. I Larry, I'll, I'll read a Larry Hama comic. I don't I mean, care. I'll read a Larry Hama comic all day long. Is it going to be good? Well, these are the comics that it doesn't matter if it's good. No. Yeah. Uh, it's the best Salisbury steak. Mm. Uh, all right. Ads. We got we got Black Sheep, the Farley and Spade movie that isn't Tommy Boy. Do you like that movie? Because I'm not. It's been a while since wait, I've watched wait, it. Which one? Black Sheep or Tommy Boy? Everyone likes Tommy Boy. Black Sheep. Okay. I have. I don't think I've actually sat down and watched that movie all the way through. That feels like one of those I've seen like 10 minutes at a time on HBO or something. Sounds accurate. I was a. My dad really liked Tommy Boy when I was growing up, so I watched a lot of Tommy Boy when I was growing up. And being from Ohio, it was one of like the five things we had going for us. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Sheep being exactly Tommy Boy, but kind of worse, makes me want to go back and watch it again at some point. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we got. We got Skybox Impact NHL trading cards. We got Mile High Comics. We got Spider-Man Chef Boyardee. Got a house ad for X-Force uh, drawn by Adam Polita in which Warpath is holding a cool axe for some reason. Uh, Dave's Comics of Richmond, Virginia, The Kubert School, Weird Science and Campus Cops on USA Saturday Nights. Now, I remember the Weird Science TV show. I do not remember Campus Cops, but that was probably what replaced Duckman. Uh, again, folks, I am old. Anyway, uh, apparently Campus Cops was produced by John Landis, so there's that. And uh, on the back page, Hellraiser Bloodline. Uh, Zach, uh, this has been a fantastic time. People should never try to find you online. But how can they support the things you're doing? Uh, You can listen to Battle of the Atom if you like uh, this kind of witty banter with a different person. Um, Not Dan, but could be at some point. we got to get Dan on. We're just really bad at booking guests uh, because I I live a busy and exciting jet-setting lifestyle. And the only consistency in my life is every Tuesday at 8 p.m. I record Battle of the Album and have been doing that for five years now. Uh, is it fun time? If you like talking about, if you, I'm going to be frank, y'all, you know what Battle of the Atom is, right? Like, I assume at this point, if you're supporting WMQA, I assume that you have checked out Comics XF. If you haven't, Dan does a really good job editing a comic book website. In addition to everything else, you should go check that out. He's really good at it. It's a different podcast there. You'll find Val the Adam if you poke around that website. That's all you can do to support me uh, and all the things that I love and adore in this world. Uh, Go to that website. Read Dan's articles. Subscribe to the newsletter, actually. That's what you should do. 
I love reading it every Tuesday. I never know what I'm going to find, except for that I'm going to suggest a dumb comic or a fun comic or something for our weekly roundup. And Dan's going to be very confused and have to figure out what he writes about. That That is very true. And uh, this... This this week in the newsletter, I specifically used the phrase Roy Thomas's wet dream circa 1973. So, you know, we have fun. We have fun. That's the thing. Some comic sites, they're going to try and tell you that we're serious and good or that we really love Spider-Man. We're just here to have fun, y'all. Ah, in it for the bits. But uh, anyway, that largely does it for this month's uh, show. Next month, the gang runs afoul of the London Hellfire Club and former Bishop miniseries villain Mountjoy uh, as we begin the run-up to issue 100. But uh, until next time, listeners, Sodolf Torag. Torag.